two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Hughes Eight. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Do I have the story for you? I don't know anything about this. Are you ready? Okay. Okay, so our the back of our house is up against an alley that hasn't been plowed ever. Oh, yeah. Which we've That's gotten... standard for alleys. People pay private people. Like, rich alleys I'm thinking about just people. going out there and doing it myself because cars, three cars have gotten stuck this week alone in the alley. So our penguinologist out of the kindness of his art heart keeps on going out there to help these he rescues people. People. he rescues these people you take in our the kitty alley. litter and you go out there and... At, well yesterday he went into the person's car and like helped drive them out of the alley which i was like wow i wouldn't and didn't want even some... steal the car so yeah i know right well done him well tonight he came home from work saw someone was stuck in the alley went out to help them i was like oh that's really nice of him i meanwhile i'm making dinner mm-hmm. and then i hear water like somewhere and uh-huh. i'm like oh no a pipe burst ooh, and i check ooh. under the sink and sure enough <gasps> water is flying everywhere and Whoa. i'm like i don't know how to show off the water so i grab <laughs> i put on my boots i run out into the alley and then you know he's trying to help uh, him and i'm like i don't know how to turn off the water a pipe burst he's like oh okay and then the person whose car got stuck said i'm a plumber i can help you i'm like <laughs> Sorry. I was like, really? <laughs> okay. So he goes. So super well, plumber goes in. Well, no. First, the, well, the plumber is still in the alley. Penguinologist okay. turns off the water. I go back into the house to clean up the water. Penguinologist <laughs> helps the driver get out of the alley, comes around to the front of the house. Uh-huh. Plumber comes into our house. Sure enough, the pipes didn't burst. There was just a little valve that apparently just broke. Oh. And he's like, oh, you know, they, I have these come in like packs of 100 and I have one left. <laughs> so he replaces it for free. I give him a burrito. You have the luckiest bad luck of anyone I know. It's the penguinologist. If it was oh, that's oh, true. He does. He yeah. He, he was is, born on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. So and I have seen his luck. In and it it's turns weird. out the guy, the plumber that was in the alley, had been there for three hours. And, what? And no one had no AAA hadn't come. No one had offered to oh, help him. Oh, the poor him, guy. Right. He just needed super penguinologist to come in and help him. So that's the Aww. that's the fun story. That's a fun story, and I'm sorry about your pipe bursting. That really sucks. Well, it was just a valve. Okay, it yeah, and, and it got replaced, and now you have a plumber. Yeah, I hope you got his card. Uh, yeah, yeah, we there got his go. information because you're and... gonna need him again. I'm just gonna say. Yeah, yeah. No, I just like karma. You know, what goes wow. around comes around. If you help people, they help you. That is a great story. Everything from like here on in is just downhill because that <laughs> is the best way to start but we might as well do it anyway otherwise it's just going to be a weekly edition of cool things that happened to kate so uh <laughs> and you are kate and i am i am betsy what what is the show we are on uh fuse eight and kate right what do we do we talk about plumbers and alleys we really do <laughs> and they're very interesting but we also talk about picture books that are not about plumbers though there might be some alleys uh and decide if these picture books are good or not yeah. If they should be considered classics or not. Yeah. So you had a challenge for me last week. And you said, well, 
it's Black History Month. Yep. Uh, why don't we do something with that? Yep. And so I I dove deep into the Coretta Scott King Awards. These are the awards for African American children's literature. They've been going on for a long, long, long time. And I started at the 20 year mark, and then I just started going older and older. And I didn't have to go too far when I discovered there is a very classic or at least considered by many classic picture book that we have never even touched, that I have never even, I think I thought of once and then just never got around to. And lo and behold, there were plenty of copies in my library, though they, many copies were checked out because it is checked out all the freaking time. Um, so I'm going to hand it to you. Are you ready? Yes. It's, I, will, I will tell you this much. It takes place on a hot summer day. Imagine Aww. heat. Remember, it's so hot you have to sleep on your roof. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Tar Beach by Faith Ringgold. Faith Ringgold. Have you ever heard the name Faith Ringgold? Nope. Classic, not classic, just um a painter. Um, but a painter who mixes her paintings with quilts, I believe. Uh, she's been doing this for a very long time. Uh, when we had an exhibit at New York Public Library of the history of, of children's books. Uh, there was a huge Faith Ringgold section in it, um, partly because she does a lot of stuff with New York and uh, New York Public Library is keen on that sort of thing. So go read that book. All right. All right. While Kate does her read, let's do some talk about Faith Ringgold. Faith Ringgold, there's actually way too much <laughs> to say about Faith Ringgold. There is no good way to summarize her career. So I'm just going to highlight some of the more interesting aspects of her career. For example, uh, when it comes to being an activist, Ringgold's been doing it since the 1970s. She knows how to stage a protest, my friends. For example, in 1968, uh, she helped found the Ad Hoc Women's Art Committee, and they decided to protest a major modernist art exhibition at the Whitney Museum of American Art. Now, if you were to protest it today... I'm sure you'd have a very staid and silent and respectful protest in some way. But what they did was amazing. Members of the committee demanded that women artists account for 50% of the exhibitors and created a disturbance at the museum by singing, blowing whistles, chanting about their exclusion, and leaving raw eggs and sanitary napkins on the ground. Not only... Were women artists excluded from the show, but no zero zip zilch African-American artists had been represented either. Even Jacob Lawrence, who was an artist in the museum's permanent collection, was excluded. And uh, when she protested a little later, she was arrested in November 13th, 1970. Later, she would go on to have a copyright suit against BET. That's right, the Black Entertainment Television Network had done many, many episodes of a television series called Rock, in which a poster of hers was shown many times for like, all together for like 26.75 seconds. Uh, she sued for copyright infringement and won. So that's who you're dealing with. The woman gets things done. Hello. Hello. You're back. I am. Did you fly back? Uh, no. No, just, you walked back. Well, I just yeah. walked across the hall. Oh, yeah, you weren't to... that far. No, yeah. it's just in the other room. Yeah, that's okay. But look, I got you a book that has A, color, B, not 500 words uh, per page. That's true. Yes, this is, this is and notable. it's a story that makes sense. Yes, I haven't done that in a while, I, I will admit. I, I kind of went off track for a while. But we're back, baby. We're back. We're back. We're back. And it's interesting because the edges of this book are like a quilt. 
Yes. Are they photographed? They're, okay, so I did see this at one point and failed to write it down. But yes, I believe they have been, there are photographed, this is, she's created a quilt, uh, a very famous quilt, maybe her most famous quilt called Woman on a Bridge, number one of five of Tar Beach. And I believe these are the quilt pieces from that quilt. It's just interesting because the whole art in this story is, you know, you, it's, it's acrylic paint. Yeah. But then on the borders, you have photographs. It's just an of fabric. Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting combo. Which of are the, the two. same kind of color scheme. They don't clash. So definitely her colors are coming from this quilt. Right. I would say. Well, it starts off with this little girl f- flying in the air over and near the George Washington Bridge. My favorite New York bridge. Really? Well, because I live near it. Yeah. So I could see it. But it's interesting because you flip the page and then she's in a completely different outfit. That's true. That's true. Well, if if she isn't actually flying, if she's just imagining herself, then she can wear whatever outfit in every scene to scene to scene she wants. Well, this comes up later. Okay, interesting. Yeah, which confuses me. But, right, so she's flying over the, her, her apartment's rooftop. She can see her parents. She can see the next door neighbors, Mr. and Mrs. Honey, Mm -hmm. and they're playing cards. And she can see her little baby brother lying on a mattress, looking up in the sky, uh, looking at her because okay. she's flying. But he can't say nothing because he's a little baby brother and they can't right. talk very well at that point. Yes, Right. So then she's back to her previous outfit. Oh, interesting. So she was in the outfit, then she was in the outfit, and now she's in the outfit. Yeah. And okay. Then, and then later you'll see her in both, which is very confusing. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, but so she says this bridge is her most prized possession because um, when she was born... Uh, it says that her father said that the George Washington Bridge was the longest bridge in the world and that it opened on the day she was born. Really? I didn't know it was ever the longest bridge in the world. Yeah, so I yeah. looked it up. Um, the longest bridge in the world is actually in China. Well, now it is, but was it at the time? Well, the longest bridge in the United States also isn't this one. Right, but when was that made? 1969. Oh, and this is from 1931, right? Right. So if the bridge was made in 1931 or prior to 1931, and this other bridge was made in 1969, then at the time that she was born, it would have been the largest, longest bridge in the world. Correct? That's true. George, The George Washington Bridge was, I guess at the time, the longest. Right. I don't know about the most beautiful bridge, but... I would agree with you. It's not, it's, I love it. I would not call it the most beautiful bridge. But at the time, it was the most... It was it's a the, cool bridge. It's a cool bridge. All right. Um, it even has, there's even a little picture book that's considered a classic based on a little lighthouse that's next to it, which huh. maybe we'll do someday. Okay. A George Washington Bridge classic. <laughs> well, her father worked on the bridge hoisting cables, um, and then you flip the page and now you can see both images of oh, her. Oh, interesting. Both the red and the yellow dress. Right. So I'm confused as to, is she is seeing herself in the sky as she's in the sky. What I is, don't know. I'm very confused. I'm interested. I, I do not know what this means. I don't understand. Huh. <laughs> anyway, so. Trippy. Um, we learn that her name is Cassie Louise Lightfoot. She's mm-hmm. eight years old. She's in the third grade and she can fly. Um, because it says that means I'm free to go wherever I want for the rest of my life. I'm glad you have a strong imagination, kid. Hey, go for it, man. Her dad, uh, took her over to the union building that he was working on and he can walk 
on the steel girders up in the sky and not fall, you'll notice that there is no like safety belts or no. Nope. It's like that you know that famous or... photo of like the guys eating lunch and they're yeah. all sitting on the girder and there's, he was like, one nothing. of them like that. That's yeah. so fun. They called him, him the cat because yeah. <laughs> what did he have nine lives? Apparently <laughs> so. But you know you can drop a cat from a certain length uh, height and then. It won't get hurt, but then a certain height, a little higher, it will get hurt. But then even higher than that, and it won't get hurt again. Really? Yeah. Oh. I don't know why. Okay. Well, then it says he couldn't join the union because Grandpa wasn't a member. And I was like, okay, first of all, what? Her Grandpa? But we'll get to it. Because Interesting. It's mentioned in the end notes, and I'll... Mm-hmm. It, okay, okay. But the second thing is also it says, um, you know, she says, well, I'm going to... I'm gonna fly over to that building and I'm going to own that building and then I'm going to give it to my dad because um, they won't let him be in the union, you know, whether he's colored or half-breed Indian, like they say. So I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Is the reason he can't join the union because his grandfather wasn't a member or is it because of Because the of his racial of his, background. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Mm. It also mentions that, you know, maybe mommy won't cry all winter when he goes to look for work and doesn't come home. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like... Okay, so there's like a whole layers of depth going on here. Throughout this book... It's just a fun little story about a girl flying, and then you find the real backstory. Yeah, throughout this book, if you read more into the text, you're like, oh, there's like more layers into this. Yeah, there's stuff going on here. But on the page where it mentions uh, Mommy crying... There's very faintly on the brick, you can tell that there's like graffiti and it says oh. Ricka and a heart and Molly. <laughs> and I'm like, who are these people? And how did they get like a nod in the book? Cause, well done, y'all. Because yeah. there is like in the beginning, you know, the acknowledgments and no one has these names. It's not her kids. So I don't Maybe know. Maybe it's the actual graffiti from that actual <laughs> area. Hmm. Just authenticity. Well, it's a great setup um, that they ha- that they have with their neighbors because um, you know they even though Mister or Mrs. Honey can sleep in, you know they're always welcome to share the rooftop where they um, have a card table and they can play cards and share food on these hot summer nights, which. I'm like, this Man, is sweet. Rooftop like, access is the best in yeah. New York City. If you've got rooftop access, that's all you need. Well, in Chicago, too, you can have oh, that's it. True. So that's true. Yeah. Really any Especially big city. if, like, I mean- <laughs> if this takes place before, like, you know, air conditioning, you know, right there. But she's, you know, she's all, all about flying to these different buildings so that she can own these buildings and essentially solve all of her problems. Like, I'm going to own this bridge. I'm going to own the union building and give it to my dad. I'm going to fly over to the ice cream building and I'm going to own that too. <laughs> Heck yeah, you want to own the ice cream building. <laughs> I think I'd be number one on the list. But then I started to wonder, do you think she's using her imagination to fly as a reason to help solve her parents' problems? Or to escape her parents' problems. There you go. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it ends with, um, you know, she she's taking her brother up in the air and flying around, but it ends with, you know, back on the rooftop with the honey neighbors playing cards eating food the kids are on the mattress looking up at the sky and it's this is so in the end notes i learned this is the original quilt story yes. which has the entire text of the book or like 
around oh the... i never was able to see the text so the text is around it's the a, border it's around the border oh, tiny and type can, yeah and you can see the quilt and oh, that's it's the entire family it's very interesting I've, I, this and this last page is my favorite page well that is in the guggenheim now right that piece of art yeah oh it says in the book it says oh, see i was thinking i was smart like well you know what i did a little research of my own and i found out it was in the oh no fine. it's it, okay. uh, it right. also mentions okay. it yeah, right okay. there too. okay all right <laughs> but also in the end pages it explains um that mr and mrs honey they're called that because that's honey is what they call each other like, oh but also like mr. And mrs darling right yeah. but they also don't have kids which explains why mrs honey can sleep in yeah it does person who doesn't have kids who probably gets to sleep in sometimes um like, like every weekends. weekend yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm doing a lot of those today but it's little things like that that if you like kind of understand more and read mm-hmm. more into the texture you're like oh there's more layers to this i think any parent reading this to a child would see like a someone being able to sleep in and have this like enormous longing for oh i remember that well, and also that Mr. and Mrs. Honey have more money because they don't have right. kids, Right, they don't too. have to spend it on kids and exactly. stuff. That's right. Well, tell me about the, the union uh, with the grandfather and the stuff like that. Oh. Wasn't that was in the back there? So it, in the back it says, Ringo alludes to the practice of excluding African Americans and Native Americans from unions in her description of Cassie's father, who was not allowed in, quote, the union because he was colored or half-breed Indian, like they say. Um, but minorities could be excluded from unions on the basis of the so-called grandfather clause. If a man's father was not in the union, that was grounds for keeping him out too. Okay. But because she's an eight-year-old, she hears grandfather, she thinks, oh, because my father's father wasn't in the union, that's why he can't be. Okay. So (laughs) it's funny. It's it's illogical (laughs) in the same way to kids reading it just Which, without the background information that it was to her. So it's basically putting it is, them in the same shoes It is, it is as her. true. Like, yeah. it is her grandfather, his right. father, but it's but, called the grandfather clause. Right. So oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's clever. I like how you think she works in a little history like that. That's that's very good. Um, yes, yeah, so this book comes out. I, I get a little unclear on the timeline of when all this happened. So she made the quilt. I believe what happened was she made the quilt and then turned it into a book afterwards. Um, so this book comes out and proceeds to win the Ezra Jack Keats New Writer Award, the Coretta Scott King Award for illustration. She was a runner-up for the, uh, they say runner-up, but she was an honor for the Caldecott Medal, um, the ALA Award for picture book illustration. She got that. She got uh, on the New York Times Best Illustrated Books. I think there's only 10 of those every year. Um, the Parents' Choice Gold Award. So it got, it got a bit of attention when it came out. It's used a lot by museums. Like if you go, if you just Google Tar Peach by Faith Ringgold, what you get is like museum after museum after museum showing her quilts and saying, okay, kids, let's pick apart what's going on in the art here. Um, which makes a lot of sense because it's very kid-friendly art. Um, Hence the book. There is a very good video from 2016 from NPR of Ringgold reading the book, which I will put in the show notes. And uh, it, it connects directly to her to her own history. Her her family has a textile history. Um, five generations before her birth, uh, her enslaved ancestors made quilts. Her mom was a fashion designer uh, who helped her create art with fabric. And, of course, she herself uh, sort of combined painting and quilting in her art in general. And uh, and this sort of caught my eye, just that one of her early 
pieces was um, from about like 1982. So the tale of Aunt Jemima painted through images, sewn fabric, and handwritten texts, much like that is, which sort of came to mind because Aunt Jemima will no longer be on the uh, the syrup. Did you hear about that? They I got did. Rid of Aunt yeah. Jemima, so there you go. It ties in very well. And of course, flying is a popular motif in a lot of slave narratives um, and was shown in the Virginia Hamilton book, uh, The People Could Fly. So it shows up in children's books a lot as well. So ratings time. You go first. Okay. I, um, yeah, this book is beautiful. Uh, it is a folk art style. So it's very flat, but it's done this. It's, I mean, it's on purpose. It's, it's done in a very flat style on purpose. You know, I lived in New York a long time. I have a weakness in my heart for anything that has New York in it and the George Washington Bridge. And there's an authenticity to it that, you know, of the experience of living in New York, growing up in New York, that I don't think is aged. Um, I think it has a sort of a timeless quality to it. I like the writing. I like the art. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go as high. going to go as high as an eight. Okay. I just haven't done it in a while. But yeah. So, obviously, not my kind of art. No, not your art. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's got a Caligon on her, so someone thought it was good. <laughs> hey, it takes all kinds. Um, I think it's an interesting story if you read in between the words, like about her father and the neighbors. Um, but if we're talking stories and quilts, I like that book, Showway. Oh, yeah. Better. Yeah, 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 the Jacqueline Wilson book. I like Woodson. that one. I'm sorry, Jacqueline Woodson book. Sorry. Yeah, Jacqueline. I like that one better than this one. Mm -hmm. But oh, sure. yeah, yeah. I think that this is super creative, the way that it was put together. Mm -hmm. um, like, I, you've never shown me anything that has both, you know, you have a quilt and then a photograph of and then you have art and then you have the paint and then you yeah. have, it's there's it's so many mixed different... media, but in like a different way yeah. yeah so i gave it a six very nice so, so i think that's a classic it's a classic Woohoo! very nice um we we got no letters we got plenty of comments on stuff but we got no letters this week so folks we need your letters uh feel free to email us at fusecade8 at gmail.com to yell at us about things that we should be doing or have failed to do <laughs> it is perfectly fine we'll we'll take either one grown-up things we like Okay, so it's kind of like on the motif of this book and family. Mm -hmm. um, I have taken our father's mother's writings from, yes. from back in the day. She wrote down all of her memories that she could. And then over 125 pages of her memories she wrote by hand starting from when she was born um, all the way up until... Do we know how old she was when she wrote these? She was almost 89 years old, um, just a few months before her birthday. Oh, whoa. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, and she lived well beyond that, too. No, no, so, I know she did. I was just amazed. Like, when I'm 89, I don't know if I'm going to be like, I'm going to write a bunch of... How many pages did she write? Oh, 125. 125 pages. And by she, hand. And she wrote down all of her siblings... Um, the years that they were born and died, who they married, their birthdays, then all their kids, then all of her grandkids, the years that they were born, if any of her grandkids got married, and then when they got married, the date they got... I mean, it's it's impressive, along with all these different memories of her childhood. Mm. Um, so I took all these pages, I typed them up, and there's this website called Blurb where you can make books. 
Um, so I'm essentially, I'm going to take all these pages, I'm going to make them into a book. I'm going to take photographs from back in the day of her and her family and everything. And I'm going to incorporate them throughout the book. And then I'm going to print multiple copies for anyone in our family that wants them. So if you have anyone in your family that you want to pester to write their autobiography, now is the time because what else are you going to do during a pandemic? Yes. <laughs> So true. <laughs> well, thank you for doing that. Yeah. And, uh, that is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my grown-up thing. Very good. Uh, mine is far less meaningful. Uh, mine is the combination of two of my favorite things, cooking and science. Because I love cookbooks that talk about the science of cooking. I just one of my favorite things. Even if I don't eat a single thing from the cookbook that has the science in it, I just like to know why things... Why do things turn red when you cook them a certain way? I don't even know. So I recently took out from my library the flavor equation, the science of great cooking explained, plus more than a hundred essential recipes by Nick Sharma. This book is split into six different sections, emotion, sight, sound, mouthfeel, aroma, and taste. Because when people are talking about the- I'm sorry, what's the difference between mouthfeel and taste? Okay, because mouthfeel is how the, you know, it's like the texture. It's like how it feels Why in your mouth. Why didn't you just say texture? See, it's not texture exactly, though. It's like, it is it is a limitation of the English language. This is not the first time I have seen mouthfeel, which I see it and I'm like, no. Can't you just take a word from another language that sounds better? Literally, French would have a word for this that is better than mouth. I think the Germans would have a fun word. Mouth. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. What's their What's their word for butterfly? Do you know what it is? Schmetterling. There yeah, you go. Exactly. So anything in German is better because um, you can, you get to yell it. Uh, yeah. So there's also a very cool map uh, near the beginning that shows where common flavors um, you grew up with are located regionally. And it shows the overlaps with other continents and where they don't overlap. Uh, it is super fun. It has a lot of Indian recipes in it because, you know, the creator is Indian. Um, but it's, it's a pretty wide range of things. Uh, I, I'm curious. I might, I might try one or two of those and try to force my family to eat them. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. So they can have some good mouthfeels. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> is that did i use it that's properly? gonna be the name of our cookbook <laughs> lots of good mouth feels <laughs> what could possibly go wrong uh but until we write that cookbook uh i think we're done for today so okay so this is going to be the next book then needs to be coming out because it's gonna be march we need a saint patrick's day book i'm sure there's tons of classic saint patrick's day children's book you are pushing it you are really pushing Come it on. a classic you really really want a classic saint patrick's day book dear listeners if you can think of a single friggin classic thing saint patrick's day book you 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 write that to me at fusekate.gmail.com or it can be about um potatoes snakes. or snakes yeah. about snakes okay all right we'll do this classic <laughs> snake book and until i figure out what that is i've been betsy i'm kate bye Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse Number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse Number 8 Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM, or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our alley superhero is Drew Atienza. 
Views 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird.